Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I think this is going to be a pretty, I don't know, revolutionary show. I'm really excited about what we're doing with this one. And so the title of this show is Practice Makes Perfect, right? Unless you're practicing the wrong thing. So I want to look at three different areas where habits are created. So we have the habits of the heart, we have habits of the mind, and we have habits of the body. So let's look at habits of the heart. Some of these are good habits. Some of these are not so great habits. So forgiveness or unforgiveness, acts of love, holding grudges, overlooking foibles, acceptance, practicing love languages, patience, time, relational endurance, lying, right? Sometimes our hearts lie. So think about this one, the habits of the mind, and that's taking captive every thought. And I'm sure you're familiar with that Bible verse, taking captive every thought so it doesn't exalt exalt itself, you know. And so this is also practicing policing your own thoughts. And I work with clients on a daily basis to remind them that, hey, are you okay with that thought? Do you believe everything you think? How about if somebody heard your thoughts, right? So we have that whole thing of policing your own thoughts. We have judgments. Our our mind can create big, huge cases against somebody, right? I mean, I know I can. And it starts like grabbing from all different places, the past and forecasting the future. And it really is trying to help us with what it thinks we're wanting. And so we need to police our own thoughts, What else do we have? How about self-hatred? You know, do you have this critic in your mind that is constantly telling you all the things you've done wrong or what you should be, could be, would be, ought to be, if only then? So is your mind practicing beating you up? And do you let it beat you up? Do you believe everything that that you think? So we also have lying, cheating, swearing, gossiping. And this happens a lot in our brain. 
where we start thinking, you know, I wonder if, and we start kind of making judgments about people, and we start maybe, if we've done something we're not really proud of, we start to create a lie that we're going to say to everybody so that we can justify what we did. How about swearing, right? <laughs> I mean... Swearing, sometimes I tell people, you know, that the, the art of swearing sometimes can be very helpful because if we do it correctly, and I'm not saying to be vulgar in any way, shape, or form, but if we do it correctly, it does kind of release some anger and some energy as long as we're not swearing at people or swearing at ourselves. We also then, like we talked about gossip and how much our brain can go back into history and find ways to justify how we feel. And then it also is wanting to justify why we should be allowed to gossip. And we might hear our brain start to say things like, well, they probably should know. Or I don't think that we should withhold that from that person. They probably need to know what's being said. Or they probably need to know what so-and-so thinks about them. And so this is where we want to be very careful about the habits of our mind. Well, let's look at this one, the habits of our body. Wow, our bodies have lots of habits, don't they? And so <laughs> I know mine does. And so think about the habits of the body. Well, a positive habit is eating well. A negative habit is not eating well. How about overindulging in food? Overindulging in uh, alcohol? Overindulging in sex? Oversleeping? stealing, physical violence, you know, not taking care of yourself, for example, not going to the doctor, not getting appropriate medications, misusing medications, wanting medications to fix something that maybe you should be doing or not doing to help your body be healthy and stay healthy for the sake of the ones who love you, right? So I like this verse, and this is the verse of Proverbs 28, 7, and it is, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. And I really do love this proverb. And what it really is, is that as a man thinketh, thinketh within, you know, we ask ourselves, is this self-help? Well, there's a book by James Allen, and he published it in 1903. And it was described by Allen as dealing with the power of thought. And particularly with the use and application of thought to be happy and beautiful, have beautiful issues. So I've tried to make the book simple so that all can easily grasp it and follow its teaching. That's what he says to us. He says, I've tried to make this really simple so that we can put things into practice and the methods that he's advising. So it shows how in his own thought world that each man holds the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters into his life. And that by working patiently and intelligently upon his thoughts, he may remake his life and transform his circumstances. So the, the price of the book at that time was only one, one shilling. And it could be carried in someone's pocket. And so this is a book that will help you to help yourself. It's a pocket companion for thoughtful people. That's what he called it. And he called it a book on power and right application of thought. So when we think about this idea, for as a man thinketh within, so he is, 
I can say to myself, so as Cynthia thinks, so she will be. So if I think I'm a loser, I'm probably going to not make great decisions. If I think I'm a uh, polite person, I'm probably going to practice being more polite, even if people aren't polite to me. If I think I'm a valuable resource for people, then I'm going to be more willing to engage with people. So I want you to be thinking about this. What is this thing about habits and how God has made our, our brain and our body? Because you, need, you know that we have what's called muscle memory. So for myself, I was a cheerleader in high school, and that was a really long time ago, I have to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you how many decades that was, but I can tell you that I still can remember cheers that I did when I was in high school. <laughs> now, I don't jump as high as I did, okay? But I can still remember, I still have some muscle memory of all of those different things that I practiced over and over and over again. So people develop countless habits as they navigate the world, whether they're aware of them or not. And the knee-jerk nature of these behaviors can help people get their needs met more efficiently in everyday life. Yet, the fact that habits become deeply ingrained in our brains means that even if a particular habit creates more problems than it solves, it can be very difficult to break. So understanding how habits take shape to begin with may be helpful if we need to dismantle them or replace them. So let's look at some examples of habits. Now, habits may be harmful or health-promoting. Think about that. I can have a bad habit, I can have a good habit. I can have a good habit that actually turns into a bad habit, right? So let's take, for instance, the anorexic. So they originally started having a good habit by not overindulging in food. But if they're not careful, that habit can start to be one that causes them to be more and more dangerous to their own body. And so habits that are efficient can be very helpful. Like we have these automatic responses or, you know, you have the, a, a habit that you learned in kindergarten and third grade as to how to write. And so now you write without even thinking about it. How about people when you see them at their computer and they're typing so fast without even looking? And it's amazing what they have learned and memorized and how efficient they become at. So one likely reason that people are creatures of habit is that habits are efficient, very efficient. So once we create a habit, we don't have to work so hard to do whatever it is that we're striving to do. So people can perform useful behaviors without wasting time and energy or deliberating about what to do. So this tendency toward quick and efficient responses, though, can backfire. And like, let's think about this. When it gets hijacked by the use of addictive drugs or consumption of unhealthy food. So think about that. This tendency toward quick and efficient responses really can backfire. Think about if you, you really worked hard at not swearing, okay? Because that became a habit. And I do know people and have friends that I think they don't know how to express themselves any other way than with, you know, bad words and vulgarity. I really don't think they do. Now, I love them deeply, but my goodness, I want to think, can't we use another word? And so because they've practiced that, that is the way they express themselves. 
How about people that really worked hard on doing a, a diet and then because they felt so good about what they did and they lost some weight, they thought, hey, I can maybe do some foods that m- maybe I'm not supposed to do if I do them, you know, in, in, in smaller portions. And then what they find sometimes is the habit of eating bad food overwhelmed the good habit that they made. And that has a lot to do with not practicing that habit long enough. So let's look about, you know, what causes a habit. So we're coming to the end of this portion and we're going to come back and talk about what causes a habit. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and so appreciate you listening on to, on the sh- to the show today, and I hope you're having a happy, blessed Sunday. And so we're talking today about practice makes perfect, right? Unless you're practicing the wrong thing. So I know that in my life, I have practiced really some bad things and they became so automatic it was really difficult to undo and redo what I had learned and so I want you to think about in this first segment we talked a little bit about this so I want to refresh it a little bit more that we have habits of the heart we have habits of the mind and we have habits of the body and so we're wanting to have good holy righteous healthy habits And it's tough because habits of the heart, like let's think about forgiveness or unforgiveness. How about if you hold a grudge? How about practicing acceptance or the love languages? Or, hey, what about having the habit of the heart be someone that's patient or kind? How about habits of the mind? That we keep thinking the same thing over and over and over again, thinking that somehow we'll get it lined up and the thing that we want to be true will be true. And so we go over and over and over. And we need to be practicing the policing of our own thoughts. That if we're making judgmental thoughts about ourselves, if we're having self-hatred toward ourselves, then what happens is our mind... The habit of the mind is trying to help us, and it will tell you all the reasons why you need to hate yourself. So what if you beat yourself up? So how about, you know, the habits of the body? Well, how about if you don't take care of it? So maybe you have a bad habit of not eating well, of overindulging in food. What if you overindulge in alcohol or sex or sleep too much? What if you steal, right? I mean, these are things that are common to humans. Physical violence, not taking care of yourself, refusing to go to the doctor, or not wanting, you know, to to take appropriate medications or misusing medications. So this is where we kind of left off in in the first segment when we talked about this proverb that is 23-7. And it's, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. Now, I want you to think about this. When God created the world, when he created the heavens, he didn't physically go and do it. He thought it, and he made it happen. 
So his thoughts, remember in the Bible it tells us that his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways, and that they are higher than the heavens above than our thoughts. And so this book, As a Man Thinketh, it really is a powerful book. It was, it was published in 1903, and it really describes dealing with the power of thought, and particularly with the use and application to actually maybe have happier thoughts and think on more beautiful issues and creating that type of a habit because that verse, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. This is how powerful our thought life is. So I want you to understand how we form habits. Now, people develop countless habits as they navigate the world, whether they're aware of them or not. Could be a knee-jerk nature of these behaviors can help people get their needs met more efficiently in everyday life, maybe. Yet the fact that habits become so deeply ingrained in our brains means that even if a particular habit creates more problems than it solves, we still continue to do it. It's very difficult to break. So understanding how habits take shape, you know, begin to begin, this helps us to understand how we dismantle them, how we may replace them. So when we think about what, what are some examples of habits? Well, habits may be harmful or health promoting, maybe. Instinctively reaching for a cigarette after waking up or any drug associated with particular cues, it's a habit. So is picking up a pair of running shoes after getting home each day, or maybe the habit of buckling your seatbelt without thinking about it. Some of these are good, some are not so good. So why do humans have habits? Well, a likely reason is that people are creatures of habit. See, habits are efficient. And so people can perform useful behaviors without wasting time and energy, or deliberating about what to do. Once they memorize it, it becomes efficient. It's like breathing. So this tendency toward quick and efficient responses, though, can certainly backfire. However, think about how we might get hijacked by the use of addictive drugs or the consumption of unhealthy food. Well, let's think about what causes a habit. How about what is a habit loop? What's the difference between a habit and a routine? And what are the most common bad habits? And then we're going to also, if we have enough time, we're going to talk about why habits are so hard to break. So how can we build better habits? Well, old habits can be difficult to shake, and healthy habits are often harder to develop than one would like. You know, I have all kinds of great delusions and goals about healthy habits, and then I start to realize how hard they are to keep doing and to make them happen. And unfortunately, the older people get, the harder it is to make a habit. So even long-time habits that are detrimental, you know, and, and detrimental to our health and our well-being, they certainly can be broken with enough determination, but it's going to take some real true commitment. So what are some ways that maybe we could build some good habits? Well, consider the context and dynamics that leads to habits. So when we're building healthy habits, we want to involve putting ourselves in situations in which we're more likely to engage in the desired behavior. 
We want to plan to repeat the behavior. And we want to attach small rewards to the behavior. And this is why it's, it's even something as, hey, I'm going to tell my workout partner, hey, look what, I am, look what I managed to do today. And they're going to give me a you know, thumbs up. They're going to go, way to go. Well, that automatically triggers the brain to want to do it again. And so intrinsic motivation, yeah, the, the, the internal force pushing us to engage in behavior is really, truly invaluable. It really helps us to continue to do it. So think about this. Incentives or rewards help with habit building. But if we get a person to begin to engage in the hoped-for behavior, such as working out, if they're doing it, they're, they're really engaged in that idea in the first place, then it's not as hard to integrate. So how long does it take to build a habit? Well, usually they say 21 days. Uh, you know, it's hit or miss. I have found that to be quite true in many ways. So when we think about this, we want to ask ourselves, why is it so hard to change bad habits? And how do I stop a habit? And usually the only habits that we want to stop are the bad ones, right? So we're going to think about why does it take us so long to build a habit and why is it so hard to change bad habits? So we'll look at this in the next segment as we talk about incentives that help us build good habits and rewards that can contribute to behavior changes in about mm, four different key ways. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about habits and healthy habits. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that you go to my website, and that's at CynthiaHyatt.com. My name is spelled exactly how it sounds, C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. We have lots of things available for you there that will help in you progressing to be the best version of you. So we have study guides that correspond with the shows. If you want to do that as a group, I have people that meet weekly and, you know, listen to the show and they have, they take the handouts and the study guides and they work through that. So it can be a very, very encouraging event. So when we think about this in terms of habits and practice makes perfect, right? So we do know that that's how things you know, become perfect, you know, be become something that we can actually be proud of. However, sometimes we have habits that we're not so proud of. So when you think about practice makes perfect, yikes, what if you're practicing the wrong things? So we talked in the very beginning of this segment about habits of the heart and the habits that our heart can, can have. And that's things like forgiveness or even unforgiveness. It, our heart can also practice, practice habits of love. And so I'm going to give you an example in my own family. Now, I come from a family where m all the kids are adopted except for my sister. 
my parents had one child um, of their own, and then they adopted myself and two and my two brothers, and so we and we all came from different families. So one of the habits that I interjected into our family, and this is when I was in my early twenties. And I had started going to this church when I had moved back from Los Angeles. And I would go to this church, and it was a charismatic church, and I had never been in a charismatic church. And so people were like, you know, waving their hands, and they were singing and clapping and crying. And every time I would go, somebody would hug me, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Because my family wasn't a super affectionate family. So we didn't hug people when we saw them. And so here I am getting immersed in this environment where people are crying and laughing and dancing and hugging people. (laughs) I'm thinking, this is crazy, right? Well, so what happens is I loved the, the pastor and his messages. So I started going just when the message started because I didn't want all the other stuff, all the music and the crying and the, you know, the hugging and all of that. But, you know, the more I went the more I kind of got used to it. And then this really amazing thing happened. I started liking it. I started craving it. And so I loved it when people greeted me and hugged me and said they were glad to see me at church. And so I decided I was going to introduce this to my family. So what I started doing is every time, you know, I came home, I would hug people. I would say things like, I love you. Now, my family started really getting nervous because they thought something was really wrong with me. But as I continued to do it, guess what happened? My whole family hugs all the time now. They say, I love you all the time. And so this was a habit that I integrated into my family. And it's a good habit. Not all of our habits are good. So some of the habits of our heart that are not good habits would be unforgiveness. We're lying, you know, because we're too afraid to tell someone what the truth really is. And so we make up something. How about, you know, if one of the habits of our heart is impatience? And a habit, you know, let's think about in our mind. This is things like the way we think. And practicing policing your own thoughts, your own judgments. What about self-hatred? Beating yourself up. Lying, cheating, swearing, gossiping, all these different things that we can do in the habit of our mind. And so we also have the habit of our body. And you know and I know that we can have muscle memory. So if we do something often enough, we don't have to do it. We, we don't even have to think about it and we can do it. It's like writing your name. Once you learn cursive, it's like now we write so quickly. Now we don't even need to write with computers. And so... We can also have habits of the body that are things like maybe sex, inappropriate sex, violence, food, alcohol, oversleeping, stealing. How about, you know, physical things like not going to the doctor, not taking care of yourself, misusing medications? Well, these are things that become habitual and they're very difficult to break. And so we're going to talk more about how do we form habits and how do we build better habits? Instead of just focusing on breaking a habit, we're going to find a way to have a new habit to replace the bad habit. And that has become far easier and more acceptable. It's still not, it's still not a cakewalk. 
So join me in the last segment as we talk more about habits and the way that you deal with your own habits. Well, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for listening today and also sharing it with your friends. And so you, I also want to encourage you always to go to the website. That's at CynthiaHyatt.com. We've had lots of things to encourage you there. We have some mini books. We have study guides, all kinds of things that help you to really integrate and become the best version of you. So we're talking about this idea of practice and practice makes perfect, right? Well, we all think that unless you're practicing the wrong thing. So I don't know about you, but I have had, I have had, you know, things that I have practiced that have become very, very strong habits and they are very hard to break. And so one of my, one of the habits I had to quit, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than maybe some of the people listening and I had, I quit smoking in 1985. And it was one of the most painful things I ever did. Now, what's interesting is when I was a little girl, um, we, this is when we had those um, gum cigarettes, you know, they were like this gum and they were wrapped in paper and they had a little bit of powdered sugar. And so you could pretend like it was a cigarette. Now, of course, this was like not in today's world. This is back in the you know 70s. And um, so I remember how much I enjoyed doing that. I liked holding this little fake cigarette and, you know, all kinds of things. Well, I ended up with a very, very bad habit of smoking. And I smoked more than a pack a day, probably. Now, I also now understand that nicotine is helpful with ADHD. So there was a tie in there that I didn't know anything about at that time. So I can, I can understand why it might have been more compelling to me. I also know that my biological family smoked as well. Well, quitting that habit, oh my goodness, like cigarettes kind of became my best friend. And they gave me something to do. And, and it's like I could relax. And nicotine is a stimulant, and so it helped me with my ADHD as well. So I had to really work hard at not quitting. And the way I did it, because I knew, I went to NAU, and I was getting ready to um, go home, and, and I, was, I had graduated, and I was getting ready to move to California. I was going to work at one of the largest uh, department stores as an assistant buyer, and I knew that if I went to California and didn't quit before then, I'd probably smoke the rest of my life. So I'm at NAU. I'm getting ready to go home and move to California. I smoked my last cigarette. I'm not... I'm not help telling anybody you should do this. I'm just telling you how I did it. I smoked my last cigarette. I put this, the pack of cigarettes on the top of my car. I drove down the mountain from Flagstaff to Phoenix, and I never smoked again. Painful, very painful. It was a very difficult habit to break. But I'm so glad I did. And so this is why I want you to think about not practicing the wrong things, because it's very hard to break. We create these neural nets in our brain that are so efficient, helping us do that thing that we shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be doing. But our brain doesn't necessarily know right from wrong. Our conscience is in our brain, but our brain, I tell clients all the time, you don't see brains floating to heaven, right? It's just a part of our body. 
So we have to over, you know, we have to take over our thinking. We have to say to ourselves, I know why I am quitting this habit. Whatever it is, quit swearing, quit overeating, quit being lazy. Whatever the habit is, you have to come up for you with why. Why am I doing this? And the why has to be really, really important. And the why that I quit smoking was I knew that any man that I probably would want to date or marry would not want to date a girl that smoked. And that was my, that was my motivation. And it worked. No, I'm not saying it's great, but it worked. And so you have to think about this, that the brain is helping us. It thinks it's helping us. And when it's a really bad habit, they are very formidable. So when we think about the habits of our body, these are some of the hardest ones to break. Now, we can break, you know, unhealthy thinking, and a lot of that is by talking to other people. But when our body is wanting something, craving something, and it gets used to having something, it is very difficult to break. So when you think of habits of the body, things such as violence, if you've gone to violence, physical violence, it's a learned behavior, and your brain is going to want to go there before it wants to try to talk things out. How about, you know, not taking care of yourself, just ignoring your body, refusing to go to the doctor, refusing to eat what you know you should eat, refusing to sleep when you know you need the sleep, or going to the doctor if you're sick. See, your body, humans cannot function without a body. And this body that God created for you to inhabit is specifically made for you. And he's wanting you to have mastery over it. He's wanting you to make good habits with your body and to take advantage of the way he created our bodies. And our bodies will continue to do the same thing and, and make it even more efficient the more often we do it. So if we're doing it with things that are negative, things that are unhealthy, it's really tough to break those. It's worth it. It's worth it. So I want you to think about this, and I want you to understand how incentives might help to build good habits, and that would be different types of rewards that can, you know, really help to contribute to behavioral changes. So economists have been interested in this study of incentives for a long time, something that motivates an individual to perform an action. So traditionally, the focus was put on, you know, tangible incentives and monetary rewards, but here's the thing, those findings, when they really looked at these findings, it encouraged positive behavior and avoided monetary incentives altogether. Once they were doing the good behavior, they didn't need the incentives. And so this is why it's so important to climb that mountain and keep climbing until you get to the other side. And so the problem with using you know, extrinsic incentives to encourage behavior it's not necessarily as effective, but, you know, paying someone $1,000 today to walk for a mile, that'd probably work well, or to take a short run. So financial incentives are helpful, but behavioral economists are really more interested in understanding how we can foster behavior change without extrinsic incentives. And so one of the things that they found is in terms of creating a habit is that starting is often the hardest part. So when it comes to building a new behavioral routine, incentives, even if they're relatively small, 
can help get us to the next place. And so a few visits, when it comes to a few visits, visits to the gym, we have a tendency then, even if we don't want to go, we think to ourselves, you know, I probably should go. And what I remind people is I say, use your body to get where you need to be. If you need to go to the gym, just stand up. If you just stand up, walk toward the door. The whole time you can still not go. But what you're doing is you're taking advantage of your body to help you get to where you need to go. When it comes to breaking habits, this is tough because incentives can help build habitual stock, but the same should be true when we're trying to reduce undesirable behavior. And so they've done some studies on this, and they found with women, okay, that were pregnant, they found that 27% quit smoking completely after an initial period that incentivized them with shopping vouchers. So here's what they said. Hey, you're pregnant? We're going to give you a whole bunch of shopping vouchers that you can use after you deliver this baby. And maybe it's for clothing so that you can have new clothes with your new body. And so we also can do upfront incentives. So one of the problems with behavior change is that it brings costs in the moment. Like if you ate unhealthy food, it's more costly to eat healthy food. And so we have to be careful because it can be really difficult for people to want to continue to have healthy behavior if they're not incentivized. So if the hamburger and the ice cream are right there available in the kitchen, 10 feet from the TV, it's going to be much more difficult to not do that than if you say to yourself, I'm going to walk around the block, just really, no, I'm not even going to exert a whole lot of energy, but I'm going to walk around the block and, at the, and the whole time I'm walking around the block, I'm going to think about where I want to go to eat. I'm going to think about what it's going to look like, how long it's going to take me to eat all of it, all this stuff. And what we have found with our brains, how our brains work, the longer you think about it, the more your body thinks it might have done it. I, I know it sounds crazy, but it really does. So if you put a little bit of distance and say... I'm going to walk around the block while I think about where I want to go eat or what is there at home for me to just absolutely gorge on. And what you'll find is if you do it by the time you get home, you are much better able to manage the craving. So this is why we want to also remove barriers. So what would be some barriers for you to achieve this goal of really quitting or stopping the habit that you know is so bad for you. So it might be, I can't get out of bed in the morning. Well, what, this is what's helped a lot of my, my clients when I taught them how to do this. I say, if you can't get out of bed, then this is what I want you to do. As you're laying there, I just want you to rip the sheet off. Still lay there in bed. Don't move, just still lay there. And then after about, you know, 15 seconds, all I want you to do is sit up in bed. Just sit up. After you do that, I want you to sit at the edge of the bed. And I want you to think about, you know, I don't want to get out of bed. There's nothing, I don't want to get out of bed. I want to stay in bed all day. And you don't rebuke yourself. You just say, while you're thinking about staying in bed, I just want you to stand up. And so once you're standing, you'll be amazed at how much more difficult and weird it feels to crawl back into bed. So you do the same thing with taking a shower. It's like, oh, I don't want to go take a shower. It's too much work. I don't want to have to brush my teeth. 
But if you break things down into very, very small pieces, you'll be amazed at how much you get done. And I have practiced this for so many years. I'm telling you how well it works. It really does. What about this? Pick a Bible verse that means something to you. Speak it into your phone. And during the day, play it for yourself to hear. You'll hear yourself speak it. And when you hear yourself speak it, it integrates into your being much better. Now, I don't want you to worry about memorizing it unless you enjoy the process. But just make sure that you have messages around you that are lifting you up and encouraging you and not condemning you. So I want you to say little helpful things in your own voice, in your phone, that when you get discouraged or when you want to do something, you want to go out and have a cigarette, that you turn that little, you know, that one on and it says you don't have to do that. You can wait. You can see if you really want to. You're not a bad person for wanting to smoke. You're not a bad person for wanting to stay in bed. Whatever the message that you need to give to yourself will help you to break habits and create new ones. And it is a very adult thing to do. So if you have children, the greatest gift you can give them is habit formation, like making their beds every day, doing chores before they're allowed to play, that they get consequences if they're sloppy or or their work is shoddy. So this is how we really help ourselves become the best version of who we are. Maybe we do it one piece at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. But we want to be careful about memorizing negative, very dangerous and unhealthy habits. Have a great week, and I'm glad that you're making Conversations with Cynthia a habit. (laughs) So thank you. I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-